0: This is Toledo Symphony Lab, a behind-the-scenes look at the world of classical music from WGTE Public Media and your Toledo Symphony. Joining me today in the studio is the Toledo Symphony's music director, Elaine Trudell. We also have Principal Second Violinist and Artistic Administrator Merwin Sue, and a special guest making a return appearance. I do have a fanfare for you. Everybody gets a fanfare now.
1: Way to make her feel special, Brad. (laughs) Yeah.
0: That is Megan Amos. Welcome, Megan.
2: Thanks for having me.
0: Tell us who you are.
2: Uh, I play Principal French Horn with the Toledo Symphony.
0: Yeah. And and wonderful, wonderful uh, performer. I've heard you many times in the hall. And we do want to... Mention that you've been on the program before, I think when you first came here to Toledo. Yes. We're going to talk about a concert that uh, you are playing, Megan. That's why you're here today to tell us all about it. But first, I would like you to tell us all about yourself. We may have covered this a little bit last time when you were on, but if you can give us a quick little rundown, biographical rundown, your journey from wherever you came from to here. And also, since we talked to you last, you got married, by the way. Congratulations to you you. on that. And uh, so we want to hear all about it. Let me give you a choice of music. You can either choose this, which is really slow. (laughs) (laughs) Elaine is cringing right now. (laughs) Or you can have this. A little sonambulistic music.
2: I'll take the Brahms.
0: (laughs) (laughs) They're both Brahms, okay? (laughs) Or or at least they purport to be Brahms, right? Uh So which one do you want, A or B? A. A, okay. All right, here's Megan's story. Take it away, Megan.
2: Yeah, so I'm originally from York, Maine, very far from here and different. And I've lived in Toledo now for almost three years. And before that, I played in the Fort Wayne Philharmonic just down the road from us. Um, I went to school at the New England Conservatory in Boston. And um, I do come from a musical family, so it's kind of always been, you know, a part of my life, but I do have a lot of other interests outside of music. Um, Right now, you know, getting the garden going, and um, I do like to do a lot of other stuff, like knitting and, you know, traveling around the country and things like that. So, yeah. Yeah. When, did, kind of when did you first
0: get interested in the French horn? I mean, was there, was there a story attached to that?
2: Um, it's not a great story, to be <laughs> honest. Um, We're all
0: about not great stories. <laughs> <laughs>
2: yeah, um, I did play the cello when I was a lot younger, just because my grandfather was a cellist, and um, I really just did not like it. Yeah. And so once my mother let me quit that Um, I did and then I kind of discovered band when I was in the sixth grade Um, and my mom she chose the French horn for me because she knew it was such a great instrument and no one at my school had ever played the French horn actually not a lot of people in Maine played the French horn. And wow.
0: Why is that? Is there something in the water there in Maine? or <laughs>
2: Well, it is, to be honest, it is a really hard instrument to learn at first. And um, if you don't have the ear for it, because our pitches are so close together in the harmonic series in our really good normal range, um, it can be torture if you don't have that kind of ability to just pick out the note. Yeah. So, so what you're of,
0: saying is uh, people from Maine are tone deaf and lazy, basically. <laughs> Sure (laughs) (laughs) Except for you Except for you, of course Now, Elaine, I'm going to let you just say a little bit uh, about Megan Because you guys have worked together now Mm -hmm. since Megan came here And I've heard you many times say complimentary things Mm -hmm. about her playing
3: Oh, Oh, I think Yeah, so now
0: this is your chance You're on the spot (laughs) Tell her what you really think
3: Okay No, Megan's a fabulous player I mean, I enjoy enjoy all of our concerts together And I enjoy... uh, uh how uh, she's taken uh, the section as a principal horn because sometimes you get younger players to come in and uh they can play their part but they're not great leaders and you lead the section super well so for me when I get a leader they're also responsible for their section so you know I know I'm I'm really happy and your solos are beautiful and when I'm not here I I listen to them on the on our uh on our web uh, the streaming service, uh, on our streaming yeah. service and you know and uh, I like that we're starting to talk more and more about how you like things also and I'm very happy that we're doing concerto next year. I mean, yeah. you know, and yeah. I, I can throw pretty much anything at her, and she's just like, you have anything more? She doesn't go like, a what? <laughs> yeah. So that, that, that's pretty much the personality I'm looking for. I think we, uh, we're both brass players also, so we can discuss uh, brass things. And uh, no, just a great, great leader all around, super player, and uh, couldn't be happier to have her as my principal horn.
0: You're both members of the Brass Mafia, as yes. it were. Well, uh, we,
3: we we can tell you about it, but you know. Then,
0: we'd have then to, you'd uh, have to make me play French <laughs> horn.
2: Plumbing society. Yeah. yeah.
0: <laughs> so, Megan, now's your chance to tell Elaine what you really think of him. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm kidding. Actually, we want to hear about this concert because it's music of uh, Johannes Brahms. Also, there's an additional work by Arvo Parrot on there. We're going to talk about that. But, uh, Megan, you're performing the Horn Trio by Brahms. It's a really well-known, wonderful piece of music. Yes. And since you chose the Hungarian dance for your story, you have to have the lullaby to talk about this because <laughs> it's the only Brahms I've got. So tell us about Brahms.
2: Yeah, so I'll be performing the Horn Trio Um April 10th at 7 p.m. with my good friends Valerie and Kirk, um, the concertmaster of TSO and the pianist. And we're really excited to share this with you guys. Um, It is such a great piece of music. Um, His Opus 40 written in 1865. And as I'm sure a lot of people know, 1865, very significant year for... History and also for Brahms himself, so of course the end of the American Civil War, Mm. and um, for Brahms, the death of his mother, who he was very close with. And so this piece, actually, he wrote it to commemorate his mother's death, and um, something I learned about the piece when I was researching it was that he actually did not write another piece of chamber music for eight years after he wrote this piece, which was the only point in his career that he did something like that. So it just shows, um, you know, how much this piece meant to him, to his heart.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I I did not know that about this particular piece. It's really a, a heartfelt story. It's hard to quantify Brahms as far as where he sits in the pantheon of composers. You know, you think of him as a little more conservative, but he was really interested in musicological pursuits. He was interested in uncovering music, which he did by some well-known composers. Incorporating that into his work, he had these forward-looking ideas, but most of it was expressed with a harmonic and musical language that might have been considered a little conservative at the time, but was really, was, was essentially Brahms, you know, his musical DNA. Where does this particular trio fit in? And maybe, Elaine, you can talk about this a little bit. Where Where does the trio fit into like the larger Brahms as a whole? I know you did the second symphony on the the concert last weekend and you're doing the chamber program this weekend. Where does the chamber stuff fit in with the uh, symphonic stuff?
3: Well, all the chamber music of like the great composers, it's like going into their private diary a little bit, you know, Go, going, reading things they, they don't really want to talk about publicly, like a little bit like what Megan uh, talked about with his mother.
0: The personal story. I, the, yeah. the
3: personal stories. I mean, personal relationship, personal stories. It's the same with the great string quartets of composers and all the chamber music is really, really personal. And for Brahms, it's, uh, he's writing for people. Uh, it's like the, the other trio will talk about, I'll talk about the other trio but the clarinet trio but uh, it's really relating to people and uh, what's interesting about uh, Brahms and the horn and I don't know what you think Megan but uh, is that you're talking about being conservative I mean you know the it's music that he was not like a particular fan of the valve <laughs> valve horn yeah I was
2: actually going to talk about that um, back in 1865 oh, hang on <laughs> oh.
3: okay we're back in the second symphony we're back in <laughs>
2: 1865 okay Well, what I was going to say is, the horn I play um, in our orchestra, it has three buttons or valves, and this helps me change notes easier than um, what they played back in the day without valves, um, which really limited the amount of notes you could play and the different colors you could make. And so even in 1865, that modern horn was around. But Brahms, he actually decided Even though it was there To write it for the natural horn Or hunting horn, it was called And I think it was for Maybe a few reasons Um, This is kind of like speculation So, you know, we'll see But um, what I learned is that The first theme of the first movement um, He actually wrote that A long time before 1865 And maybe that was Part of his decision as to why He used the natural horn For this so he wrote that theme um, With the natural horn In mind because that was what was around And also I learned that he actually Played natural horn As a kid as well as some Other instruments so um, Back to the nostalgia Of you know like remembering His mother um, I wonder if that's why he He did that but, of course, I'll be playing my normal horn for this performance. But a lot of the choices I make um, while playing it, it's definitely with that in mind. But nowadays we play with such a bigger piano, um, we really need like that extra little oomph to keep, keep up with the sound. But yeah. I do hope one day in my career to perform it without the valves.
0: Okay. Yeah. Well, Elaine, are you listening? <laughs> <laughs> Brahms yeah. without valves. That's a concert right there into itself, right? <laughs> but you well, know what's
3: interesting? Is thinking of composer more conservative and more revolutionary, like Beethoven was more revolutionary. Yeah. Like you think of his ninth symphony. Beethoven was exactly the contrary. He saw the valves right? because they were there for a long time now when Brahms was made his decisions. But artistic decisions with I, I think are, are very good also. But Beethoven in his ninth symphony, there's a big horn solo in one of the moments and it's written for the fourth horn, not the principal horn. Mm. It's because everybody was so conservative. He said, "We we'll give it to the young, the the new young player who does play, does want to try the valves." And so he gave him a big C flat major scale, and of course nobody can play besides the person who has the valves. Actually, so that's, yeah. you know, each composer it doesn't. It's not a question of better or other. It's just different choices. And also Brahms has this sound, which I you know, it's, it's you can be develop an obsession over Brahms' sound. Like the strings and the horns together, it's like some of the best sound you'll ever hear in a hall while you're sitting there nobody could write for horns and for strings like Brahms I mean, yeah. Strauss for horn but you know <laughs> but but for, for the strings with that oh my god the beginning you know like when we played the second symphony this opening with the cellos in the second movement and then oh the horns joining in with the trombones like oh it's incredible like so it's really the blend that he puts it together yeah.
0: yeah and one of the things that I admire about Brahms' is music and this is you know not connected to the orchestration or the or the actual gestures that he makes is his uh, sense of humor that seems mm. to pervade you know even the most serious works there's always a little bit of not taking oneself so seriously mm. uh, would you agree with that as far as the the horn trio goes
2: sure i mean even this piece which is so serious and all about grief, the second movement is like kind of a lighthearted scherzo. And yeah. I think you're exactly right. It's um, It gives a nice little relief from the other three movements that are so serious.
0: Merwin, you've been so quiet sitting over there, <laughs> nicely watching and listening to our, our podcast today. I mean, I know for the violin, Brahms, you know, wrote some legendary stuff, including that violin concerto. But what's your experience with the music of Brahms. When Megan was talking about the Opus 40 trio, it reminded me a
1: lot of uh, my experience playing the first violin sonata. Um, And it's kind of modeled after a song, the Reagan lead, a a rain song. Mm. And there's this just incredible sadness and nostalgia to it. It's one of my, it may be my favorite violin sonata. And um, I think that, uh, it, it strikes a very similar mood. Um, I actually think of Brahms very much as an autumnal composer mm-hmm. um, and the great clarinet quintet, have, have, having had the chance to perform that piece as well. But it's, I think, the, the chamber music of Brahms, really, you can get so many different extraordinary emotional experiences. Um, the early string sextets are so joyful, so open. And it really, it, if you listen to the, the chamber music of Brahms and lead your life in that way, it's a life well led.
0: <laughs> nice. Life advice, life <laughs> hacks from the pen of Johannes Brahms. <laughs> We're going to talk about the clarinet uh, trio as well, which is on this concert. But first, I want to talk about a different concert, just briefly. This is, uh, <laughs> first of all, the chamber concert is on Sunday, April 10th at 7 p.m. in the Peristyle. And the concert that I want to mention now is with the great Bernadette Peters. She's mm-hmm. going to come to the Peristyle on Saturday. That's April 9th. And that concert is at 8 p.m. Uh, some tickets are available. You can find more information about both of these concerts at Toledo symphony.com or 419-246-8000. I, I don't want to jump into Bernadette Peters uh, life and career too much because, you know, it would take up one or two or three or more podcasts. Okay. So what I did was I put together a little quiz so we can learn about Bernadette and maybe win the quiz at the same time, okay? <laughs> so let me uh, cue up that quiz. We have a choice of music that we can play. Let's go with this. Okay. This has an introduction. Elaine, you're making a sour face.
3: Uh, I think No, it's okay. Trombone sound.
0: (laughs) Always the trombones. Okay, here we go. Five questions. What was Bernadette Peter's real name at birth? We should tell Megan that the way we're doing the quiz is that you you write down your answer, A, B, or C, and then we'll go back and say what it was. Okay? So that way everybody at home gets to play as well. (laughs) Tell them what they won, Merwin. Okay. (laughs) What was Bernadette Peters' real name at birth? Was it Bernadette Piotrowski? That's A. Was it Bernadette Lazzara? That's B. Or was it Bernadette Peterson? That is C. A, B, or C. Okay, she was born about 12 miles from Broadway. Was she born in Queens, Brooklyn, or Long Island? A, B, or C. Queens, Brooklyn, or Long Island? When she was a child, she appeared on what TV show? Was it Juvenile Jury? Was it Name That Tune? Or was it The Horn and Hard Rock Children's Hour? A, B, or C? Or it could be all three or none of the three. That, that, that goes for all of our questions. Except okay. for where she was born. Exactly. I think <laughs> exactly. all of the above would be tricky. <laughs> or what her original name was, yeah. Oh, well, that could be, yeah. Yes. She mm-hmm. was born. <laughs> Where did Bernadette meet Stephen Sondheim for the first time? Of course, she's known for her collaborations mm-hmm. with the late Stephen Sondheim. Was it in a bar? Was it in a restaurant? Or was it in a theater? Where did she meet him for the very first time? And which Sondheim role did Bernadette Peters not originate? Was it the witch in Into the Woods? Was it Dot? In Sunday in the Park with George, or was it Desiree Armfelt, who sings Send in the Clowns in A Little Night Music? Okay. Five questions. Let's go back to the beginning. I'll give you the answers. To make, <laughs> making I didn't look. even answer some of them. You're looking, I, I know. You didn't, you didn't write anything down. It's not like, you know, pop quiz at school. We're just having fun. You can, you can choose any answer you want. All right. What was Bernadette Peters' real name at birth? It was B, oh. Bernadette Lazara. She was she took her name Peters from her father who was named Peter. Ah. Oh. Right. So it's B. Did anybody get B? I did not. No, no? Nope. nobody nope. got B. Nope. Okay. She was born about twelve miles from Broadway in Queens. Anybody choose Queens? No? Nope. No Queens. Long Island. <laughs> okay. Of course the New York traffic time takes about an hour to go those twelve <laughs> miles. Okay, when she was a child, she appeared on what TV show? She appeared on all three TV oh. shows. Juvenile Jury, when she was three years old. Name that tune. And The Horn and Hard Art Children's Hour. Who got all three? I got it. I Excellent. Thought,
1: I thought it would be the last one because, you know, we're doing a Horn Trio um, oh, episode. So uh, I got full I overthought it.
0: <laughs> yeah, definitely. You gave it. Too much credit Hmm. to the quiz master there. (laughs) Okay, where did Bernadette meet Stephen Sondheim for the first time? In a bar, in a restaurant, or in a theater? It was B, in a restaurant. Elaine got that? No? Nobody else? (laughs) Luck prevails. (laughs) (laughs) It was in Joe Allen's restaurant. Have you ever heard of that? That's like a big Broadway hangout. (laughs) But she didn't didn't work with him until like 13 years later. Uh, But she met him for the first time Hmm. at that restaurant. And what Sondheim role does she not originate? It was Desiree Armfeld. C. Yeah, send yeah. in the clowns. Little Night Music. Elaine got that. Oh, anybody yeah. else? Yay! <laughs> <laughs> wow! Elaine won that quiz. Three going away. Three mm-hmm. answers. Three I to zero. only knew the last one. <laughs> yeah, but that was those were good guesses, yep. right? Mm-hmm. Well, well, we'll do a second part of the quiz a little bit later. But first, now we're going to talk about. The uh, let me bring on the drum roll clarinet trio. Yeah. i be mean, honest, <laughs> I don't have a clarinet cue here on the soundboard, so I mean, okay. we know he wrote those two fabulous uh clarinet sonatas yes. uh, older when he was much, much older and along in his career. Where does the, the clarinet trio fit into his output? And,
3: and there are clarinet sonatas, they're not viola sonatas. <laughs> I'm just saying that, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, okay, okay, <laughs> um actually well now now we fast forward about 25 years after the the horn uh, the horn uh, uh sorry sorry the horn trio so and uh he, he took he, uh, he retired actually he retired from writing chamber music he said i'm not writing anymore uh, it's 1819 uh, it's uh, that's it for me and, wow. but then the year after he starts writing for his friend because he's completely Uh, how do you say, he's completely impressed and absolutely loves the playing of... of, uh,
0: This is Richard Murfeld. Murfeld, exactly.
3: And uh, Murfeld is a fantastic clarinet player and it's all dedicated to him, right? So he writes this trio in 91. It's like Opus 114. Then Opus 115 is the clarinet quintet and Mm. it just keeps going. So we owe a lot of uh, the inspiration because we know as soloists, Uh, Often the pieces are written for people and not necessarily for instruments. Like, you know, Joachim was the the, the, the dedicated for the uh, the violin concerto. And um I, I, uh, I have something in my mind. That's why I'm not so so clear. Because I want to talk about something before we continue. And it's just uh, when you guys were talking about uh, a, a way to live life and all that with Brahms, I, it it came back to me a book I read. That was amazing book. It's called Talks with Great Composers. Mm-hmm. And like a third of the book is with Brahms. And it's by <laughs> Arthur a, uh, Abel or Abel A B E L L. You know what's interesting? And is that Brahms said. That you cannot publish whatever I'm saying until 50 years after I'm dead. Yeah. So the guy who wrote this book. He has all this information, amazing information. Good thing he was very young when he got it. Yeah. Did, so, did he talk about Clara you
0: know, Schumann in that in that book? No, he doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> and then, then, I was then, hoping we had found the uh, the definitive no, story. No. no, He
3: talks about divine uh, inspiration and things that you know people don't want to talk about usually. Mm-hmm. So and he talks a lot about and I, I'll get into the the, the Clara and a thing after is about being a vessel, a vehicle. That's why you have to, because Brahms is very well known for his skills. He's such an incredibly skilled composer, right? And and he says you have to work on those skills so much so that when the inspiration comes, you work very hard and eventually it kicks in. You have to be ready that it goes through you. And if you have enough technique, it can go through you. And, it, and so that's really interesting I mean this is a book I recommend to anybody talks with Strauss on it he talks with uh, uh, this guy talks with a bunch of people about inspiration about things that we don't want to talk about in public usually we just say oh yeah I played this concert there and it's wonderful And but you know like uh, your feelings inside and how you know like what inspires you and uh, sometimes they talk about God and things like so you know no. you can't talk about that these days so, you have to get that
0: book for uh, <laughs> Megan before the concert this week do you have that book?
2: I don't know how to read. <laughs> Good answer. Only TV.
0: That, well, that,
3: that's why I had to quit the brass family and become a conductor, because actually I'd learned to read at some point, yep. and they, they kicked me out. <laughs> Plus, I don't drink beer, couldn't play trombone anymore. Right. But, no okay. more brass mafia so, for en- you. En- enough stereotypes. Let's uh, let's continue. So Brahms, of course, being completely in love with the playing of uh, Mühlfeld. He, he starts writing and actually would write him letters like he would be talking, he would be at his place and just say, oh, remember Richard, how great he plays. And and then he write a new piece. So this clarinet trio is the first work that he wrote uh, of many, many that inspired him. And so he got him out of retirement a little bit. Yeah, and It's really interesting, like the inspiration of writing for somebody. So when we play, you know, there's always a personality behind it. It's still the the notes and the style of the composer, but the composer is is inspired by a particular player. So that's uh, it's like when we're talking, you were talking about Bernadette Pito, did she premiere this role? Often those roles are written for people. They're not just an idea the guy had in his head or the woman had in, in her head and just say, well, let's find somebody to do that, right? So it's often written for a person. So all the this clarinet music, it's like Mozart also, what is his fabulous uh, stabler his friend uh, the cheesemaker <laughs> he wrote all all this music for, for him same the as basset uh, clarinet yeah, yeah exactly so there there's a, there's a, again uh a link between composer and clarinet player and mozart composer clarinet player and brahms yeah. What was the name of that book
0: again that you mentioned?
3: So it's called Talks with Great Composers.
0: Talks with Great Composers. Yeah. Are guy, you in there or no? <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> it's uh,
3: Absolutely not. No. Uh, by Arthur Abel. I want to say Abel, but maybe it's Abel. I don't know. But Abel, A B E L L. It's really, really, really an amazing book. I, I read it a long time ago and I had it. And of course, I, a student, you know, borrowed it and you know what happens. Yeah. And after a, a few years in teaching with my students, I always kiss my music on my book when I give them to them. So oh, that's so weird that you do that. <laughs> I say, yeah, I'm kissing it. Goodbye. I'll never see it again. <laughs> <laughs> totally. Totally.
0: Well, let's do a a second installment in our Bernadette Peters quiz. And and I've got a little uh, more music for us here. This is not quite as egregious as what played before. Well, there is a little trombone here and there. (laughs) You can live with that, Elaine. Here we go. All right, five different questions. We mentioned that uh, Bernadette originated roles in Into the Woods and Sunday in the Park with George. Uh, Which of those two came first Sunday in the Park with George or was it into the woods and as I mentioned it was about 13 years after they first met in the restaurant okay that's only two answers so it's A or B (laughs) right and it's obviously not both or none (laughs) After, uh, after that, she did a Broadway show by Whom, which actually won her first Tony Award. Was it Andrew Lloyd Webber, was it Marvin Hamlisch, or was it Stephen Schwartz, A, B, or C? Question number three. Which other musical won her the Tony Award? And uh, these musicals are Annie Get Your Gun, Kiss Me Kate, or You're a Good Man, Charlie Brown. Who wrote the music for You're a Good Man, Charlie Brown? (laughs) This has nothing to do with Bernadette Peters, but I figured nobody knows this. Was it Clark Gessner? Was it John Gordon? Or was it Charles Schultz? Which film did Bernadette Peters not appear in? Was it Barney's Greatest Adventure? Was it Tick, Tick, Boom? Or was it Legends of Oz, Dorothy's Return? A, B, or C. Or D or E. <laughs> yeah. Okay, we'll go back to the beginning. She did Sunday in the Park with George first. That was her first show with Stephen Sondheim. That's, so that would be oh, B. Sure. That would be good, good for you, go. Megan. It. You got I, it. I,
2: I, it just sounded older to
3: me. Mean, yeah. <laughs> yeah,
0: wow. So after Sunday in the Park with George, uh, who did she work with? She did a Broadway show by. Andrew Lloyd Webber, which won her first Tony Award. Mm-hmm. It's Song and Dance, so that was A. Anybody get one. A? Yeah. 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 All three? All three of you got A. Okay, which other musical won her the Tony? Was it Annie Get Your Gun, Kiss Me Kate, or You're a Good Man Charlie Brown? It was A. Annie Get Your Gun by Irving Berlin. And Kiss Me Kate by Cole Porter. Who wrote the music for You're a Good Man, Charlie Brown? That answer would be A. Clark Gessner. Clark Gessner, yeah. Didn't know. So Merwin got that. Did you get that? No. Nobody else got that? Who got Annie Get Your Gun? That was A. Did anybody get that? Merwin got got that? Oh, boy. I don't know. Merwin is ahead by one right now. I
3: just got one, the second one. Yeah.
0: Megan got two. Yeah. Last question: Which film <laughs> did Bernadette Peters not appear in? Barney's Greatest Adventure, Tick-Tick Boom, or Legends of Oz: Dorothy's Return? I mean, this is kind of a... Are you catching on this adventure? question? Yeah, yeah this, this is a little bit hard to actually say because when I say she does not appear in, that means you know she appears. It could be her voice. Uh-huh. it could be her personage. Whatever mm-hmm. have you. She actually appears in all three of them uh, in one way or the other. Uh-huh. So she sang the title song for Barney's Greatest Adventure. <laughs> she was in Tick, Tick, Boom, that ain't the, the movie about Jonathan Larson. Yeah. And she was in The Legends of Oz, Dorothy's yeah. Return, yeah. which used her voice as a cartoon, but mm. used her voice yeah. as well. So ain't get all three? No. That would be D. Nobody, mm-hmm. Nobody um, got that. Oh, I'm so sorry to report. Merwin won that quiz. <laughs> so, so Elaine, you know, you and Merwin canceling each other out with the quiz, uh, but it was worth it, right? I'll take it as a win. I it think that's winning. part. Of,
1: I think that's part of our relationship is canceling each other out in some way, shape, or form. <laughs> totally.
0: What do you think of that, Megan?
2: No comment. Megan, <laughs> Megan's smart. Megan is checked out at this point. <laughs>
0: Well, we've talked about Brahms, we've talked about Bernadette, and now we're going to talk about Arvo because there's another piece mm-hmm. of chamber music by Arvo Pärt on this concert. Uh, Merwin, I'm going to turn it over to you to, to inform us uh, what this piece is about. Sure.
1: One of the things that's amazing about both the clarinet trio and the horn trio is they're they feel so epic, but they're very con- you know they're very concentrated pieces and they're very compact pieces. So it felt appropriate to add a piece to the program and even though it's from a very very different era in a way arvo Pärt's um, spiegel im spiegel is a really great complement to those two pieces um in when you're looking at this these two brahms programs they really kind of shed light on kind of his earlier um, his earlier career and his later career and it's a really fascinating really fascinating comparison to hear the two pieces kind of Um, mirroring each other. That's the reason that we kind of chose this piece with the Parrot. Um, It's a very inward-looking piece, but I think technically there's something that's really, really intriguing about how Parrot and Brahms both work. Um, This piece, it's really one of the kind of exemplars of Parrot's tintinabulation style. Which Maybe is, you have to explain that. No, you know? I don't. I think everybody <laughs> just knows the word tintinabulation. And we parent. should say that
0: Spiegel im Spiegel means a mirror, mirror in and the mirror, mirror exactly. right? Okay, yeah. so talk about Parrot's so style. So is this really,
1: it's a word that Parrot used to describe his own composition. And it talks about bells and how uh, he would take this beautiful melody, and as opposed to thinking of it as a melody and accompaniment, he would add another voice in bell tones, and try to intertwine the two, um, so that the melody became the accompaniment, and the accompaniment became the melody, and it really kind of became one. And if anybody's ever had to play an inner voice of Brahms, that's just something that it's it's very much part of Brahms's DNA as well. Yeah. Is you have these beautiful melodies, but the melodies themselves are not necessarily the height of Brahms' inspiration. It's how he intertwines the inner voices with them and creates something where you almost can't hear the melody without the inner voices surrounding it. And you hear that in its purest form in both the clarinet trio and the horn trio. And so I think the parrot kind of opening the concert puts the listener in this mind set of like kind of combining voices together. And I think it works really, really well to hear the, Brahms after hearing the parent.
0: Yeah, it kind of fine tunes your ear to accept Absolutely. everything that's going on in that Brahms. I've always heard that the piece itself mirror in the mirror refers to like an infinity mirror. Yeah, I've
1: heard that too. I yeah. haven't heard that confirmed, from mm-hmm. him, so I didn't want to say that, but it is <laughs> it's such an it's such an intriguing image yeah. to
0: think and about. The idea and if you mm-hmm. don't know what an infinity mirror is, is a mirror in front of you and a mirror behind you, yeah. so you look off and see reflections. Mm-hmm of the mirrors into infinity. I mean, Arvo Perret, one of those composers whose work, uh, especially written in the eighties, especially that has to do with the Tintinabolism that you talked about, mm-hmm. um, has been popular in, in film and television as well. It's yeah. been used. And so the chances are pretty good that people might be familiar with this. Mm-hmm. Arvo Perret was sort of the, you know, the serious classical composer, that became the template for other composers that followed, like Max Mm. Richter and composers of that uh, genre. So it's really enjoyable and interesting music. I think it's so interesting Mm. what you say about how it fits into the program. Mm. Well, I did have one other tack I wanted to pursue about Bernadette Peters, and that was the whole idea of the the writer— you know what a writer is. And can you Merwin, can you can you tell us what's on Bernadette's writer or is that I absolutely I do cannot. I that the, is not something I'm allowed here, to do. Here, I have the sensor beep <laughs> that no. you can say. But okay.
3: We, do, uh, we can talk about other writers, like yeah. I, writers that we've got in our career.
0: I've had. I have a little game here, as okay. a matter of fact. I oh, like this is okay. called Match the Celebrity to the Writer. Oh, I oh, mean, that's exciting. the most famous uh, writer that we all know about is uh, from Van Halen, where they requested a bowl of M and M's, and they said they wanted to remove all the brown ones. Mm-hmm. You know, later they said they were they did that on purpose to try to see what their technical director, you know, if he was following their their rules to the letter or not. No, Um, no,
3: no, Nobody's true what you're saying because often some of those demands on the writer, they're they're near the end and they're they're just see if the person has read the writer. Sometimes they just say, well, I want, you know, strawberries from that region or whatever. And and people usually come and they say, well, I don't have that on the writer for me, but they would say, (laughs) well, sorry, we didn't get strawberries from that region. And they say, oh, it's fine. Yeah. B- because and and it looks like they're divas, but sometimes because m- so many times people don't like read the writers really, and there's always something wrong happening. So they go like, okay, they've read the writer, but it it, it always looks funny when when, when yeah. you see
0: it. Yeah. But do they follow through? Like if you ask for an elephant and you know something <laughs> like that, baby elephants and tigers yeah. and. I yeah. mean, do they actually do it? What's on your writer, Elaine?
3: I, I don't have anything. I'm, I'm a cheap date. You know, no problem. Okay. I show up and I don't even ask for a dressing room. <laughs> <I> just,
0: <laughs> That's good to know. Uh, okay. Match the celebrity to the writer. So I'm going to give you four different writers mm-hmm. and then I'm going to give you four different celebrities and okay. you tell me which one goes with which. Okay. All right. You ready, Megan? I have a, a good feeling you're going to win this one, all right?
2: I'm not good at knowing these people. Okay. I don't really follow
0: this. Let me pull up some music for us. It's not what you think. This is my Tom Jones knockoff, all right? Okay. A, B, C, and D. Here are the four different writers. Is it virgin toilet seats? Okay. An iron and ironing board? Oh, that's so A non-speaking driver? 19 leafy six-foot-tall plants and four leafy four-foot-tall plants. Okay, got it. Your four celebrities are Paul McCartney, Madonna, Katy Perry, and Led Zeppelin. So let's go back, A, B, C, and D. Put them order. Put them in order. Put either the uh, celebrities in order or the writer in order. Probably easier to put the celebrities in order. A with Virgin Toilet Seats. That belonged to Madonna. Anybody get that? Yeah, so she needed new toilet seats (laughs) (laughs) on her dressing room that had never been touched by anybody but her. Okay, now this is the only thing that this celebrity asked for. Iron and ironing board. It's the only thing on their rider. And that is Led Zeppelin. Really? Yeah. Uh, Wow, Elaine. Elaine is in the lead by one. Megan, how you doing?
2: I didn't even finish writing them before you started saying it. <laughs> but you the can answers. finish
0: while I'm saying it. You can, it's okay. You can cheat. All right.
2: I got them all right. <laughs> <Awesome>. <laughs> Excellent.
0: Let me pull up some other knockoff music here. Yeah, for those of us who remember the '60s, that was the the Batman theme. Have you ever seen the show, Megan? No. Batman. Okay. All right. Moving on. <laughs> Uh, a non speaking driver who also does not handle bags or doors. That was Katy Perry. Huh, yeah, yeah Merwin <laughs> got that one. Oh. Said I didn't
3: get the last either because <laughs> there's only four. Yeah. Okay. So, two, two. And the it final one, obviously,
0: plants. is Paul McCartney. Yeah. The one about plants is Paul McCartney. He also asked for a catered vegetarian meal. Evidently, he measures these plants. Like, if they don't match up to the height specifications, he won't do his concert. Wow. Isn't that weird? That is weird. Yeah, it is.
1: The ironing, ironing board is a very standard request. A lot of people You get that that from a lot of folks? Yeah. Yeah.
0: I mean, I remember once when Jesse Norman sang in Chicago. I don't think I'll get in trouble for saying this. She asked for a fax machine and Mm. some other stuff, and then she left and took it all with her. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah.
1: One the, of my favorites is when we had the singer Storm Large here, who's
0: just wonderful. She's, she's a great singer. Yeah. And Hang she, on, I'm going to pull up some other knockoff music. This is kind of like a love child of Hawaii 5 <laughs> and the dating game, right? Okay, go all, ahead. All
3: played by her album <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. she,
1: she asks for, it's, it's
0: not a demand, it's just a request, hey, if, if
1: anybody can bring a puppy... By, so I can like just hang I like she wants the last thing she does before she goes on stage to be playing with a puppy it gets oh. her in the right stage of frame of mind. Who's that? Bernadette Storm Peters? Storm Large. Oh Storm, Storm large. large. And that's I love that about her rider.
0: Sometimes. You should bring in like an armadillo or something you know <laughs> just to see.
3: Here, I have, play uh-huh. with this Komodo dragon. <laughs> yes. We had once an, uh, an Italian opera singer I'm not saying that she wanted to have air conditioning uh, not on the side where she sings in the hall. <laughs> <laughs>
0: wow!
3: Yeah, that was very very difficult. Like, so like, we had to prove that there was no there like was no Moses. American you job. parted the air conditioning yeah, uh, <laughs> ocean of air yeah, conditioning. It was, it was very very complicated. <laughs>
0: yeah. yeah, wow. Any other writer uh, details we want to hear about that you want to? I think
1: I'll I'll pass on that though. I, yeah. uh, my, I.
0: You can keep it anonymous.
1: Yeah. No, I think I'll pass them on, but, I, but I, I, I the storm large one is the one that I always really
0: like. Yeah. So now let me ask you a final question for the the show today. What would be on your writer if you oh. needed to add something to your writer? okay? Mm. We'll start with you, Merwin. Cherry Coke. Cherry Coke. I
1: never buy it and I because I but I love that I love having a little bit of caffeine right before I play. But just a little one,
0: excellent. What about you, Elaine?
3: Oh, I don't know. Um,
0: I mean, you don't we know you don't put anything on your writer, but if <laughs> no. you had to, I, what I, would I, it be?
3: Well, that the only thing I ask is to have water everywhere I am, like if there's a bottle on of water the on the, sta- on the yeah. podium, oh, not for the concert, obviously, but rehearsal. rehearse on water in the podium, water backstage, water in my dressing room. Now, we're uh, not factory.
0: talking tap water, we're talking like sparkling oh, water, w- or no,
3: no, whatever they have. Usually, they bottle water, I mean, they won't no. put a glass. Bottle because water. You know, yeah, not just just water. Just just want to make sure, you know. And uh, but let's see if I can add something yeah. fancy, <laughs> that, <laughs> that would be fun.
0: Yeah. Um, Sky's the limit. You can uh, ask for
3: anything. I don't know. maybe elephants, tigers. No, may, no, 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 maybe not. No. I um maybe uh, I don't chocolate covered uh, espresso beans. <laughs> <There you go. laughs> oh yeah. Anyway, so so I don't come back too fast, you know. Yeah.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
0: What do you got, Megan?
2: Oh, I don't know. I mean I'm just I know a lot of people say the opposite, but I like to play when I'm like really full. <laughs> so uh, just uh, I don't know, a little snack. And then a T the bone or something like that. <laughs> yeah, I mean A little snack. Big concert, I gotta have like a steak or piece of fish for sure. Yeah. But the other thing would be what are you you're I pulling
0: always, something out of your purse? Yeah. Your uh, bag? What is oh, that? Oh yeah! Wow. Oh
3: yeah! That's the good but stuff.
2: I would yeah. never let someone else be responsible for that, so I would bring it myself. You
0: would
1: bring lip <laughs> <a whip> balm. <bomb. laughs> yeah. t- yeah. but, but but there are there are um, artists who have specific toiletries, and they actually take pictures of the toiletries oh. that they they request, and so so they they don't want to have to purchase or bring them. But you had to purchase the exact brand. No, wow. So yeah.
0: So you could just take a picture of the lip balm. Okay. Or you could say I want, I want a big bowl of lip balm of the brown ones removed. <laughs> <laughs> right? Totally. <laughs> totally. Well, we've had a great discussion today. We've been talking about uh, Brahms. I know it doesn't sound like it, but we have a very wide ranging discussion. We had a wide ranging discussion. (laughs) Brahms and Bernadette. Two different concerts happening this weekend. Bernadette Peters coming to the Peristyle on April 9th, it's Saturday night. And then the following day, Sunday at seven PM, it is a chamber concert featuring Megan Amos, Principal Horn of the Toledo Symphony. Performing the Brahms Horn Trio, also the Brahms Clarinet Trio, as well as Arvo Pärt's Spiegel im Spiegel, or Mirror in Mirror. All of that is uh, on the website. You can find more information about it. Get your tickets there at ToledoSymphony.com or 419-246-8000. This program is a production of WGTE Public Media in collaboration with our sponsor, the Toledo Symphony, with generous support from the Rita Barber Kern Foundation. You can download episodes of our program as a podcast by going to our website at wgte.org slash lab. You can also subscribe to us through your podcast app of choice, including Apple, Google and Spotify. Don't forget to check out all the upcoming events at the Symphony by visiting their website at toledosymphony.com and their various social media outlets at Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. My thanks to Elaine Trudeau, Marwin Sue, and our special guest, Megan Amos. I'm Brad Cresswell, and you've been listening to Toledo Symphony Lab from FM ninety one.